Welcome back to Three Mathayers Podcast. Today we are talking about Apocalypse Now and Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's apocalypse, the documentary based on the process of making Apocalypse Now. But before that, round table, checking in. How are y'all? Great, clearly. We're, <laughs> we're all so alive and <laughs> Yeah. No, uh, I uh I'm good. I just I just watched three and a half hours of uh, yeah. apocalypse now. I think we have seven um, hours of sleep between after, the three of us, so it's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh yeah, apocalypse now felt oh right this morning. So Did you feel good. like Marlon Brando at the end? Um The horror. I feel no. like Marlon Brando. I'm like no. fat bald and I don't want anyone to look at me. So. <laughs> I felt like uh, I felt like the guy losing his mind, uh, the the surfer guy, bro Lance. Okay, we'll get into it. Lance. But Lance is kind of a king. Like he drops acid one time and then like loses his mind. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, that's well, yeah. well. Obviously, we'll get into this, but the characters in this fucking movie are just like all the way around yeah. and actors I, I'm gonna need us to spend like half an hour talking exclusively about Lawrence Fishburne but like we'll get to him I it's <laughs> I love that I, I mean it's he's what like I wonder how old he is actually Dude, he, 19, he was 14 20, maybe no, he was 14 for the role yeah he lied Whoa, he lied about he his age to get 17 on to the, he lied about and then but then he actually wow. because the fucking movie took so long by the time it came out he actually was like 17 so, <laughs> but still, no, it's fucking wild. Does it? Sorry, and I know I, yeah, like, we're, like we're jumping over the place, but does it not consistently blow everyone's mind that when you look at Martin Sheen, exactly movie, like Charlie Sheen, yeah, exactly. No, but also Emilio Estevez, and they don't look exactly mm, like yeah. each other, but he looks exactly like both of them. And it blows the, my he's mind like every the Dragon time. Ball Z fusion, like obviously dance between the two of them. Well, yeah, and to, to I, mean, I was just impressed. Any that, like, audience members who don't know this, that he's both their dad, their right. brothers. Sorry, I talked over you, Brandon. Um, the he also for thirty six had a lot of great chest hair, which I was surprised. He was like, yeah, "I was thirty six when I filmed this movie." I was like, "What?" No. I think it's because of the heart attack. Well, yeah, yeah a heart he attack. Looked, he looks pretty, he looks pretty good. Yeah. 36 heart attack recovered person. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, but even like, I mean, you guys saw, because they talk about in Hearts of Darkness, right? Like the heart attack, like he was like on the bus there. Like it didn't seem like it was like, you know what I mean? Like he well, was okay. Well, it also, it also happened after the whole thing. Like, like he had that whole, like where he got drunk filming that scene at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he like punched and he punched the mirror. On his and birthday. Stuff, birthday. Right. <laughs> John Martin. You know, so he like mm-hmm. cut his, he actually cut his hand open and that's all his blood, which is yeah. crazy. Cause in 1979, it does kind of look a little bit fake. And even with like the, the cow and stuff like that at the end, but it's all real. Um, it's all real. Like they killed that animal. And then yeah. like the fucking like <laughs> the Holly, like the Hollywood animals activists, they all like they tried to like boycott this movie because there's like a live fucking slaughter of a water buffalo. In well, it. And the thing <laughs> is like, all right, well, I mean, that is well, the thing aggressive. is like, but they hired the thing that I learned, you know, obviously from the documentary, everything, all the tidbits listeners is from <laughs> the documentary, but they hired like a like a some sort of Indian tribe to the to the area to be those extras for that scene, and so the ritual that they're doing is like a legit ritual for their culture, and so I feel like that's kind of I feel like that's okay. I mean, yeah, Peta can no. Get all I, up I in just arms, think it's I think it's like funny that like no, yeah. I mean, that's like a different. That's a whole other conversation. But I think like it's funny that this movie 
that's got so much like murder and torture and like violence in it. And these people are like, but the animal, yeah, like it's well, yeah. like a war movie and their hang up is that <laughs> yeah. there's like a Buffalo that gets killed. <laughs> yeah. Like there's this, that scene where he just assassinates yeah. that woman on the yeah, boat. Or, or like, just like the whole, he's like, I told I guess you not the puppy to stop. Lived, so it's fine. <laughs> oh my God. So cute. But there was actually a yeah. photo of like, like soldiers in Vietnam. Like there's a soldier in Vietnam with a pup. Like that's kind of a thing that, you know, that happened. There's a bunch but. of stuff that was based on like um, the with uh, when Robert Duvall, who like, by the way, is like fantastic. And he uh, it's just so yeah. awesome that it's Robert uh, Duvall playing that character. You know, that's that soldiers like like dying and he's got the the, the pan over his stomach and he's yeah. like any soldier that's fighting with his fucking guts hanging out can take a drink of my canteen. So that I guess was like, that's a real thing. Like the re- there was like a photo, famous photo of like a real soldier, like Vietnamese soldiers, like holding his guts in. Yeah. Like with like a like a pan lid and some like fucking general said the same thing. He like walked over and was like, "That's amazing." Canteen. Well, that's I mean, it's fucking crazy. You know, man. direct directed, co-written, <laughs> produced by uh, Francis Coppola, Francis Ford, and he, the man, the myth, the man, the myth. Um, you know, he tried he he used this film to actually showcase like Vietnam, like a lot of the stuff that was happening in the war or that the stories that you hear. He tried to emulate into the film like even the whole like the surfing like having the surfers go surf and he's like you know that they just had there was so much money put in this war and just because it's such a it was a they say a senseless war you know whatever it was obviously we don't know we we were born in the 90s but i mean i think that we have the gift of hindsight sure 100 percent. but like the soldiers there like they literally they just did shit for fun there was a story of a of a helicopter pilot just fucking around with like trying to pick up a bicycle you know, and just mm-hmm. not even like thinking like, oh, my God, we're in a war. But just like because they're over there, they're bored. They like nothing is going on and they're just having, you know, to buy time. And so that's I think that's what well, Coppola wanted to try and, you know, I mean, doing drugs, like doing like so doing drugs, smoking like, marijuana, like not just well, not. Well, like you don't hear that from like World War Two. You know what I mean? Or like World War One. Like that's not really the stories like and the tone of it in such a different way. Where it's like, yeah, it's not like, yeah, yeah, we uh had such a great time in World War One dicking <laughs> around. You know, it's like no like every again, to be clear, that's not obviously what people say in Vietnam, but like it didn't sound like anybody was surfing in you know, surfing World, World, World War Two. Like but I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, no, but this why. is I mean, we're not saying anything new. <laughs> this is like historians and academia, like that's the line, like between World War II, which is like, you know, obviously every political international conflict is going to have like not so nice motivations. You know, there's always shady shit going on. But at least as far as the public was concerned, it's like there's a bad guy and we have to all stop the bad guy. But with Vietnam, it's a dick measuring contest between Russia and America, like about who can like, you know, capitalism, communism, and it all just happened to coalesce at vietnam and and they didn't want us there and we didn't want to be there and it like it very quickly it took 20 fucking years for us to get out and lose like you know it <laughs> and then marlon brando took cambodia yeah, he single-handedly gained 500 pounds and then <laughs> conquered cambodia oh my god um, can we talk about we you can, want to talk I, about that we, we were josh and i were talking about it a little bit before we're jumping all over the place but i like that's the name of the game baby yeah, it's like I don't know. I've I, I've said I've been vocal about this before. I don't think Marlon Brando deserves to be like deified to the degree that like he is. Like it's fine. He, it was good. His ten minutes of screen time 
like, but he's just such a fucking egomaniacal asshole and he was rude and abusive to lots of people. It's just like, I don't get it, man. I don't understand. There's better actors that have been kinder people who deserve it more, I think. Well, it's just for to paint a clearer picture. Marlon Brando was scheduled for three weeks of filming originally. One million dollars in 1976, mind you, a week. You know, mind you, this is 30 years after um, Streetcar Named Desire, you know. So he's he's like he had his glory days in the late 40s, kind of being discovered in the whole streetcar and then going from there on the waterfront, whatever. And so he's living off that kind of life. Well, and like, but he's that, the most famous actor in the world. Like, let's be clear. And so, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's not like it was like he was discovered. Like he changed acting. He was the first one, you know publicly and famously using right, in the, in the four, I'm talking about like, yeah, in the forties you know I mean? being like, that's what I mean by D being like, yeah. like he, he was cast in straight yeah, yeah. and desire and blew up. Right. Yeah. And so he's coming into this movie, three weeks of filming scheduling, uh, $3 million in the documents, <laughs> so in the documentary, crazy. you have a conversation being recorded by his, it's great. Um, her name's not Eleanor. Who, who's Mrs. Coppola? Eleanor. It was that Eleanor. Okay. Yeah. Eleanor Coppola. Coppola was able to like document kind of the filming process. And so we get this conversation with Francis and Marlon's lawyer saying that because of scheduling like delays and, you know, which is totally fair, by the way, uh, Typhoon, the, yeah, the and, and just right? like they, yeah. the fact that make they, their days, there right. was fucking nature was trying to cancel the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's understandable. I think your star yeah. had Mother a heart nature attack. Was like that like everybody's dropped. Um, no, but like, and then like they had to work with the Philippine government to get the helicopters, but like they were actually actively fighting a war. Yeah, there was like a, their and own so, the Filipino and civil war was happening <laughs> at the same time. It's fucking half wild. The, so half the time it's like, oh, today, oh, we need fi- our five helicopters back to fight a war. And Coppola's like, what the fuck? Oh, and so he has to like change his thing. So like as a director, I feel for him of like, holy shit, how am I going to make this, <laughs> this putting my own money down for this film? Anyway, uh, I'm sorry before we get into that, but. So Marlon, like all, all of a sudden, like Coppola's being told that that Marlon is threatening to walk away with his advance of a one million dollars and not even film a thing because of conflicts or things like that. Like the the audacity is that even a thing to use the yeah sure you know for Marlon Brando to be like to be able to do that after working with Coppola on The Godfather, you know, like earlier in the decade. And so it's just interesting with like working relationships, right? Like, yeah, yo, but think about this. At that point, you got to imagine Marlon Brando already knows that he's what two hundred pounds overweight. Two, I mean, I would have two hundred pounds. Like, how tall <laughs> right? is Marlon Brando? Five seven. No, oh, I'm yeah, joking. Mind, no, but, like, he's know. like barely taller than me. And he looks taller. That big. He they made, taller. but they had to. They had to make him seem taller so that it wouldn't be obvious that he was fucking. No, I'm talking about the documentary. He looked. Ball. He looks tall in the documentary so, unless he was just around shorter people than him. So they use perspective shots. You know, but it's it's just it's just so it's so funny that it's like, well, you know, well, I'm going to walk with my million dollars because there's no way they're going to be happy when I show up. Well, oh, maybe, yeah. So it's like, you know, you got to imagine that's part of the thought. Well, and then he was also yeah. like notoriously like lazy, though. Like he was doing this was this was in an isolated incident. Like he yeah. was doing this uh, frequently. Dude, the pictures from The Godfather of him sitting at the desk and uh, Robert Duvall having his lines pr- taped to his chest for him is the craziest picture in the world. Yeah, that, like Robert Duvall would have Brando's yeah. lines taped onto his chest so Brando could read them 
Oh, right. Him in the scene. Yo, Josh, if you haven't seen these pictures, look them up after. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I think it's, it's absolutely depressing. hilarious. Because, <laughs> um, but then also, you know, Coppola had an issue with the ending, right? So, so when Marlon got in, obviously you have to use your time wisely when you have somebody like Marlon Brando because you already are spent. You're over budget. You're already spending the you're money. Spent to like, five million dollars. Yeah. You know, so you're kind of like, okay, so it's either spend a week not filming and rewriting the script. To make sure it's good or having Marlon Im- do improvs, which we all know improvs, you know, you have a have a scene, you know, you're working on a scene. Usually it's a scripted scene, but you take the lines away and you circuit, you take the circumstances or use, you know, like a moment before or whatever. And you kind of get into it to kind of find different behaviors and things like that for the character. Marlon Brando was sitting there or we watched this in the documentary, but he is sitting there asking these questions and like Coppola is just sitting there going, just make I mean, just. Just do it. Like, I don't know why we have to spend a day or three days alone talking, whatever, you know, I, I can't imagine at that point of the process working with an actor like Marlon Brando, who already is known to not do the work, but then knowing that you've, they've gone almost to the end of your rope. Like Coppola looked like he was going crazy by the end of this filming process. Dude, yeah. You know? He lost all that weight. He's pulling his hair out. Like, it was supposed to be a six week shoot and it took like a year. <laughs> yeah, 280 some days. It's like, yeah. insane. And I, I get it. Like the documentary definitely made me like it, it's definitely like when you when you see the end result, I think I appreciated it a lot more. Like knowing what mm-hmm. they went through to get it, because I think it is a good movie. Yeah. But then like but then like yeah. you watch like it's like kind of a fucking miracle that it that it they finished it. And I understand why in the beginning, you know, you have like Coppola being like, I'm losing my fucking mind. Like I'm crazy. I'm going crazy. And I'm like, oh, it can't be that bad. And then just like thing after thing after thing after thing just like happens. And there's like um, there's like a subgenre of these type of documentaries about like movies that like didn't happen. Mm. Like there's a famous one uh, called Lost in La Mancha. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's similar. It's like Terry Gilliam trying to make Don Quixote. Um, and it just like, same thing. Like they, he, they didn't make that movie, but like, uh, like two, like they tried to shoot for a week and just everything happened and it just got fucked up. Uh, there's one about the Isle Island of Dr. Moreau, which also has Marlon Brando in it called lost souls. Um, Yodorowsky's Dune. Uh, is that the one where they had to, where did they try to pull the like plane up a hill? No, in that one? Uh, so there's the, a movie, uh, sorry, Dylan, there's a movie Dr. called, Moreau. uh, there's a movie what am I called talking about? Aguirre, the Wrath of God, uh, which is Werner Herzog, and they pulled a boat over a mountain. Um, yeah, well, they tried, or they and it took them like a month and a half. Yeah, because uh, they pulled a boat <laughs> over a mountain. I don't know if you guys heard that. Um, yeah. But no, I, I yeah. really, yeah. With like yeah, people, people. Sorry, yeah, with, with like, with like, with like Sorry, ropes. Sorry, to be clear, not cars. Because <laughs> it was the 70s. People. And so they yeah. just got a bunch of people to drag a boat over a mountain. But sorry. Um, no, but so my point is <laughs> that this documentary. Shanti. Deeper, Shanti. Yeah, Shanti was leading the charge. Insanity. Um, <laughs> this documentary I, I felt was really entertaining and uh, really like kind of illuminating about the process. Um about how difficult, I mean, like it, it's obviously difficult to make any movie, but like the scope of this with what they were trying to accomplish, yeah. like without a lot of studio backing, like kind of having to finance it yourself in a country that's going through a civil war. <laughs> um, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate what they well, did and, and what they were able to accomplish for sure. I mean, and that's the thing when you, uh, aside from the, the acting um, really quickly, 
again rewatching it this morning, what surprised me the most was the pace. And again, I watched the whatever three hour and fifteen minute mm-hmm. extra version uh, this morning. So the the pace of it and the tone, but the arc of the acts and the very different feeling in each of the acts as you go from the first act to the last act it you're taking this ride with with martin sheen and everything just works so well like all the way through you're on the ride and it just it doesn't again i was fucking exhausted <laughs> this morning and i was glued to yeah, the screen yeah they did a good it. job at you know i guess rewinding a little bit we, we i guess we can from from the conversation we know our thoughts on the movie. We liked it or we, we appreciated it for what it's worth for me. I've never seen it. So I yeah. like I going in, I thought it was going to be just like your typical war movie, rah, rah America type of whatever. And it wasn't. And I was really appreciative that it was more psychological than more of a war movie. Like it was very much, you know, it's based on the novella heart of darkness, which is about Belgian Congo, the Congo. Uh, I wrote down the authors. Sorry. Oh, I'm like away from the microphone. Sorry. It's, sorry, I had to read yeah. it for AP English. So yeah, it's Joseph, Joseph Conrad, Conrad going up the Congo. The Belgian Belgian occupied Congo yeah. to rescue Kurtz, yeah. not murder him. So that's an interesting. It's actually not really that based yeah. on the story. But no, no, no. But like, no, no, using, but isn't it to rescue Hertz? And then when he gets there, Hertz is in the same position. Fucking spoiler alert! Wait, what's that? Oh uh, well, it's hard spoiler to tell. Spoiler alert for books a of all book time. from the eighteen hundreds, Brandon. Come on. No, but like, yeah. but it's, it's not not necessarily <laughs> like, but the sort of like. You have this captain's journey going as he has this mission to go get. Yeah, Kurtz. it's loosely based. Off loosely of based. Story. Right. But they used Vietnam as like yeah. the canvas to like this the technical journey of, you know, Conrad. Which is, and it's the, the same idea. They're going down the river. It's fucking crazy. Sorry, up the river. Also, just really quickly, because like because they wanted to make it in the 60s, like while the war yeah. was still <laughs> going on. They're fucking crazy. Yeah, John. Yeah. Like, John Milius, John Milius, and it was originally be George wrote, Lucas. Yeah, and then George, George Lucas was like, "I'm not going to fucking Vietnam, you psychopath." They um, said they said the producers are like the the, comp- the <laughs> studios were like, "Yeah, we're not backing this. You guys could literally die going over there, so yeah. I'm not. We're not sending film crew." <laughs> Can you see George Lucas just being like, "No, I'm going to the desert to well, play with It's just funny that like. Guys. Cause we now, we, we look at like George Lucas now who like doesn't get up from his chair. Like he lives in video village and he's just like on his monitors. Like he's not there. So it's a picture like that George Lucas, like in Vietnam in like the middle of a war <laughs> trying to like get this. Sh- like, no, it's, you know, I, 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 I'm glad we saw the Coppola version and not the yeah. George Lucas version. Well, the, the shots are unbelievable all the way through. So, I mean, you, it's so understandable why it took so long, why yeah. everything was such a shit show, because the shots, just like, you know, in The Shining, it's the same conversation, but there, it's a master class yeah, yeah. in everything. The it, visuals were my, were my um, favorite part. Like, there there are there are some good acting, there's yeah, some good moments, but, like, the just, like, looking at it, I was, like, really impressed with. And, and, and again, to know, you know, we talked about this with The Shining, but the difference is, obviously, The Shining is in a, you know, hotel and everything is there for them to use and they don't need to worry about a civil war and getting <laughs> helicopters and like that's one thing to do beautiful shots but to get these beautiful shots of helicopters explosions the boats constantly move on moving water like it's not james cameron doing it in a, a water tank mm. you know that param or whoever paid 300 million dollars for this was them 
on a fucking river in Vietnam and somehow getting these perfect shots, which is well, I mean, they were in the Philippines, but that's they only used it because that's, sure, yeah, they're, they're, uh, what I said? Um, yeah, they they filmed in the Philippines because it looks, I guess, exactly like Vietnam. So, but the thing is, like, and, but from a director's standpoint, and trying to use your time wisely, like the fact they were able to get the shots they did, which is right, Brandon, they're like beautiful and like with the technical aspects of it, like. The whole um, with the with the helicopters, right? So like they would get different pilots every time, mm-hmm. or they would get different pilots that weren't rehearsing, and so they would do like a ten thousand dollar shot, and uh, they would mess it up. That was my one and of I'm my just favorite like, parts of the oh documentary is that God. scene where like they show that because so the 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 helicopter part that I think we're talking about is um, when you meet. Uh, Kilgore, yep. Robert Duvall, and they do the strike, the coordinators with the ride yeah. of the Valkyries, which is so like, <laughs> which I want to put a pin in that and come back to that moment. Um, but so the documentary, you see them do it and all the fucking explosions and everything. And then like the cinematographer turns to me, he's like, so they were like too high. Then we got to do it again. Like, it's like, and then you like totally understand why they went over time and over budget. Cause like to get that perfect shot, you have to take like 10 non-perfect shots and that's money and time. And like, yeah. Well, and, and then in that case, taking a non-perfect shot is still blowing, blowing up a square mile like of eviscerating land. the Philippines. <laughs> and you have all these yeah. like fucking extras, like, like staring it's, it's out. Screen, like, oh my God, they're blowing up our food. Like they're blowing up our food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's insane. But like, and even like the whole scene with like the, the famous line, I love the spell of, you know, napalm in the morning, you know, napalm and like morning. there's like little kind of mini explosion, like little things going off like behind them. And you can tell it sometimes depending on the actors, because there were a lot of young actors cast in this movie. Right. And for these soldiers, because a lot of, you know, Vietnam was there's a lot of 17 year olds, 19, 18 year olds, not they had the draft. Them. Yeah, the draft exactly. So they were scooping them up <laughs> wherever they could. Yeah, and that's why you drop acid while you're it's on a boat because you're like, "Fuck my life." Yeah, because that kid was supposed to be best surfer Dude. in the world. And then Sam he fried his think, fucking yeah. brain with acid. That's so crazy. He, uh, but I mean, you could tell that like with like Robert Duvall sitting there, like he's not flinching because you know, obviously, I would like to assume that they set him up to where like no matter what happens, like if there was like a miss misfire or whatever on these technical aspects of it. That they would be in a safe enough zone to not get hit, um, but it's still funny to see them flinch because you can tell some of these shots were like, oh, "Fuck, <laughs> that was close." But not Bobby though. Nope. Bobby's a stone cold pillar. <laughs> He's so great. Like, so this is the second film from Coppola that we've watched. We watched The Godfather too for the podcast, um, and I felt the same. Like Robert Duvall like stole the show for me in that, yeah. and in this, like yeah. there are a couple, there are a couple yeah. other like Dennis Hopper in this is also fantastic. Oh, as a photographer, yeah. Yo, yeah, like, I'm talking about Dennis Hopper. I was like, he's in the credits. I know he's in this movie. And then he just like. He's just at the end. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. La, la, la. Like, he's fucking nuts. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's Bowser. So good. <laughs> I'm an American, man. I'm an American. I'm an American. Like, I'm photojournalist. Yeah, he's got it's all the cameras. Okay. And then he's like walking all these fucking decapitated <laughs> so heads. Good. Like, I like Dennis Hopper a lot. But like. And Harrison Ford, too. There's like all these people that young show up for, like, Harrison a Ford. Yo, su- young Harrison Ford looking like nerdy. I loved it. Yeah, it I like great. how nerdy for Harrison Ford is still like macho leading man, like for anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's still Harrison Ford. I'm just saying he had yeah, some glasses on. Like, that's all. Uh, he was it, was, like, yeah, it was a good uh, look. So you're gonna go kill this guy, and then I'm gonna go be in Star Wars. <laughs> um, it's just fucking crazy. What were your guys's? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, sorry, you can go, go ahead, Brandon. 
No, I was just going to make more oh. jokes about Harrison Ford. I was say, what are your greatest thoughts on the use of voiceover? I know we've had a, a few different movies now that had yeah. voiceovers right. done. So this is like where I, like, I, I definitely, like, I stand by everything that I've already said. Like, I think this movie is, like, very, very impressive. I appreciate it a lot, but, like, I don't know, man. Like, the voice, like, I, I think Martin Sheen might be my least favorite part of it. Like, I, I never was, like, really interested in him and, like, the voiceover stuff, like, was clearly added later. And also, I read it's not even him. It's, yeah, like, no, his it's, brother. Well, <laughs> like, no, it's, did all this the stuff. narration is actually Michael Herr, who was a... Cause I, I had to look this up because I was interested. I'm like, narration? What? So did he do the voiceover? Because the voiceover is a little bit deeper than Martin Sheen's kind of timbre. Yeah, it's like all gravelly and I'm, I'm a fucked mm-hmm. up Vietnam War veteran and I'm going to tell this story about how the war is fucked up. And I'm like, okay. Like, I understand why you needed to have that there. Well, but. Right, but the guy the guy they chose, but though, I, is a, was a war correspondent for the Esquire during the Vietnam War. So I think great. that was like kind of the, the pull into... Hey, this movie based in Vietnam, let's get the guy who did radio correspondence during the actual war. So I think, but I don't, but was it effective? No, because the fact that I had to look that up and be like, okay, that's kind of cool. Because they do, the way they shoot it with the voiceover, it almost sounds like, is this this somebody reading from, like, maybe they're reading from, like, the book or whatever, because they did, well, maybe that was the documentary that quoted the book, because they were doing a, because didn't. um, What? (laughs) <laughs> in the doc, the, the first part of the documentary when they brought up Heart of Darkness, Orson Welles wanted to try and do like an a movie of Heart of yeah. Darkness, but he ended up doing Citizen Kane instead. Which I mean, mm. I guess yeah, you downgrade. Have <laughs> Famous movie of all time. But sorry, no, Brandon, you look like you've been trying to also, say something but, about Martin Sheen for a while. <laughs> oh yeah, a couple things. Well, one, the narration stuff. Like I, I love that, but I'm always a sucker for that. I mean, we've had this conversation a couple times, right? So, uh, like, I love the narration. Uh, I think that just goes back to, like, comic books, because that's all very much how comic mm-hmm. books are written, right? Mm-hmm. The thought process behind everything. Uh, I didn't realize it was not Martin Sheen's voice. Uh, I, it doesn't change anything for me, but I like the narrations, you know? Um, and then uh, I did have thoughts about Martin Sheen, by the way. I thought he's really good in it. And I think one of the things that... I like the most about his performance is that he and it would be so easy to go the opposite way with it but he rejects the idea of being cool as the character there's no part in that movie where it looks like as an actor like he's trying to be cool like you know I mean he's obviously a great actor he knows who this character is but he's not you're spending so much time walking around with a gun in Vietnam like it's very it would be very easy seemingly to Wade towards that way of oh I want to look cool and it just I didn't see that at all which I thought is so good and you know important to that role so. yeah I hear what you're saying I feel like for me it was more like all of the interesting stuff to me was like a, like around those voiceovers like I, I the beginning yeah. aside like I think the opening is really great like the like the with the images of him and and like him in the hotel room and him just like like I I gotta get back to the jungle I gotta get back to the jungle and like yeah that that first scene is obviously yeah. in its own thing um, just fantastic but the stuff that really know? hooked me was like uh okay so like the beginning up until and then you get to like Robert Duvall and like all of his shit is like fantastic and there's that like amazing set piece and then like all of the moments of them like going like up the river like we were saying earlier when they they get to that um the Vietnamese boat and they kill the passengers on the boat 
and then they get to uh, right. the island uh, or, you know, at the end of the thing. And it, it just felt like I like was tuning out over the voiceovers because I was like, oh, this is them explaining to the people who aren't paying attention what's going on. <laughs> and then like and then an action thing would happen. I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm back in. And then I would get taken out again. And I don't think it's like Martin Sheen's fault necessarily. Well, but I just like you're sacking him up against Duvall and like Brando and like Dennis Hopper. Well, and it, yeah, it, it's interesting when you put it that way. You're right. As he goes on this journey, he's just interested. He's just hitting you know, interesting character after interesting character. And he's this uh, straight man that we're just yeah. riding with. Right. But it's even the guys yeah. that he's with, you know, we didn't start talking about Martin Sheen right away. We were like, Oh, surfer guy. Oh, Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, you know, even the, yeah, the, the guy who almost gets eaten the, by a tiger. Uh, the captain <laughs> of the boat yeah, no, is chef. fantastic. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. That fucking tiger. And even oh, there, by like, the way, the trainer, <laughs> this is the, one of the funniest parts in the documentary was like, um, and I want to get back to like the psychological aspect with the narrative and stuff like that. But now, since we mentioned the tiger, I jumped <laughs> when that tiger jumped out. I'm like, something's moving. Did not expect a tiger. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. But um, and so the chef, his character's name, chef, his reaction was like my reaction. I would have like shit myself if a tiger jumped out at me. But yeah. the, the trainer brings a tiger on set and he's like, yeah, Mr. Coppola, you know, we haven't fed him in a, in a week. So he's really hungry. And the actor's sitting there going. Yeah, fuck me. I'm not acting with this tiger. <laughs> a week. Why yeah, is it good? So that Jesus so that it would Christ. jump towards a pig in the right way. And it's like I could. The 70s were a crazy time. Can filmmaking. you imagine being like a young actor and be like, "This is my fucking big break. I'm working with the guy who made The Godfather. I'm gonna go to the fucking Philippines. It's gonna be awesome." And then it's like, "Oh, by the way, we're gonna have a starved tiger launch out of you." Yeah, it's like, oh. By the way, we got the uh, tiger most famously known for his run with Siegfried and Roy. Like, what, what are we talking about? Well, and then the trainer's talking. He has, like, scars on his face. And then it's like, yeah, it's they're, like totally fine. they're like, yeah, I mean, the tigers like to go for the joints, you know, so they go for the knees. And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> um, anyway, so. Oh, that is you know, not uh, you what know you want to hear. They should have went to Mr. Joe Exotic for Dude, all of their They just should have sprayed some needs. Chanel, Chanel 7 or whatever. <laughs> No, you. I mean, why would you put like perfume on somebody's shoes? Like that's something that they would just want to like sniff. You want something like sardine oil that they would like want <laughs> yeah, to eat? Exactly. You know? What is she doing? Gosh, now? She's such oh, a God. fucking murderer! It's yeah, crazy. Carol Baskins definitely. Sorry to jump back <laughs> to that, but Carol Baskins definitely did it. No, but anyway. So so then okay so that would yeah the fucking tiger man I yeah um <laughs> bitch Carol Baskins. <laughs> Totally killed her husband if we haven't if we haven't said it before. Oh my god, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just so tired. And I it's but it's just so funny. It's, Carol Baskins. Um, it's so good. It's, I, oh, it's the best. She's the she's, worst, okay, man. She's, she's a psycho. Oh I god. Think, oh god. No, no, no. He's, no he's sorry, sorry, sorry. Now. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but I, I could, I could, I could go on. But no, I, I, I think I'm actually having a psychotic break. <laughs> Apocalypse Now is a good movie, but here's the thing. It's exactly like what we were, what we've been talking about, or at least what I've been talking about. No, we've all had experiences. I feel like it's existed in the canon, right? As this like fucking thing. It's this movie. Yeah. And because I've seen like Platoon and I've seen Full Metal Jacket and I've seen like all the Vietnam movies, I'm oh. like, oh, this is where they all got all this shit from. Like the ride of the Valkyries in the helicopter. That's like one of the most iconic things in war movies and TV shows ever. 
And I feel like they were the first to do it. Yep, 100%. And then same again with the music in the very last scene when he's sneaking around yeah. to kill him. That same scene when that music comes on, you know, and he, he pops out of the water. Or, you know, so, so, it's, so it's just like you've seen it. Yeah. So for me, I mean? I'm like, okay, we're hitting all the beats. And like, again, like I, I totally respect like what Coppola was able to do. I mean, I was kind of trashing him when we talked about the Godfather just because he got lazy. But then again, it's like you see something like this and I'm like, okay, like maybe you've earned the right to sit in your chair for a while. You know what I mean? Like I, I get it. And I, and I feel bad because like, yeah. That documentary, he he really seemed like he's somebody that cares about art and cared about the craft of filmmaking and like making the process more democratic. Like he went on like at the end to say, like, I hope that like young people like it's easier for young people oh, to right. make their yeah. movies and it becomes less like, you know what I mean? So like I, I just wanted to go on record saying like, I apologize. Like he's, you know, for ragging on him because the he's been through a lot and he made some yeah. really cool I mean, art. He, he took a risk doing this. He's put a lot of his own money and time into it, you know, and. People would ask him like, "Why are why don't you just yeah. quit if it's not working?" He's like, "I what am I going to quit myself? Like I told my I'm going to make this movie. I'm going to make this movie. You know, if I go bankrupt doing it, then whatever. You know, but yeah, no. At the end of that documentary, the line of you know, I hope <laughs> from now on, like, because the the documentary was ninety one. So yeah, he, he's like, you know, some young girl and no, uh, but what is the actual line? I'm not. So he says, <laughs> I'm quoting. This is not me. He says. You know, my dream is that some young fat girl from Ohio will take her father's eight millimeter camera and start making movies and take away this whole illusion of professionalism of movie making and just bring it back to artistry and like as like an art. Which is such an, a, a Which beautiful is cool. sentiment. Why did he have to say fat girl? <laughs> yeah, what is- <laughs> Yeah, right? It's such a nice thought. But that not that like exactly every one of his movies in the best way? Like a beautiful sentiment and then this like rugged exterior around Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, that's a good you know? point. But it's you know? just so, it was just so funny because like we literally just watched that part of the documentary again and just the way that he says it. The way that he says it's it. So it's like, good. I just, it's my dream that one day some some little fat girl from Ohio. It's like, why are you so aggressive, Frank? Um, but no, my, my point of going on that tangent was to say that like, as much as I like appreciate this film and can recognize how good it is. I, I don't know. Like I'm not, it's not something I'm like rushing back to watch again. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like, mm-hmm. no, but it, it it's such an important point to make because we do keep running into this exact thing where it's, we have to put it in context. Um, you know, it because it, like you said, it, it's not even the first time the first time you see it it's not even original because mm-hmm. you've seen and heard those scenes and other things simpsons family guy whatever the hell you've seen it done a thousand times before you've even actually seen the movie at this yeah. point you know and it's it's so important to put that in context especially when you watch something like platoon and you got charlie sheen running around looking oh exactly my God, like martin yeah, sheen I didn't even think about and you're that. like what the hell is going on in platoon i think of uh willem <laughs> dafoe and just how good he is in that movie yeah. But then, yeah, and then you have like Stanley Kubrick's take yeah. on it, and then you have Tom Hanks's take on it. Um, well, well, that's World War II. No, but he did like Band of Brothers and the Pacific. He does all. He produces all of them, like all the HBO, like the Generation. Oh Kill yeah, and the, okay, that's you know, fair. Yeah, 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 but yeah. like, I'm just saying, like, Yo, Generation. Yeah, Kill and they're all good, dope. but it's like it's like I don't know how many times I like I know war is bad. I know American imperialism and interventionalism is fucked up. So it's like, how many movies do I have to watch to like, get? like I get it. You know what I mean? And and then again, I, I understand that this was like one of, if not the first films to really go there and do it. So like, I can't, you know, I feel like I can't take that away from it. Right. But that is exactly. But that's, like for that's me, it's point. like having, like I'm you know? just seeing it now. And like, maybe that's my fault for not like seeing it earlier, but I'm just like, yeah, like, okay. 
and, and and it's and it's expertly crafted and it's so well done but i'm like yep like war's bad you're also <laughs> aware enough to put it into context and just you know even just say everything that you just said where you're like okay but i understand why it didn't hit me the way you know i've heard that it hits people just like because i've seen everything that yeah. jumps off from it you know, it's like watching Rocky two, three, four, five, the new ones, Creed one and two, and then going back and watching Rocky and being like, oh, that's good. Rocky four is the best one because he punches communism but, to the end. <laughs> like, he- yeah. And also uh, Ivan Drago, uh, Dolph Lundgren, one of the most underrated actors of all time. Underrated. So. <laughs> I would like Lundgren. to. Very interesting. But I think that's what for me, I appreciate it because I'm kind of with Caleb. With like When I decided to request this movie for the for our this episode i was worried that it was just gonna be like shit like yes it's gotten some awards and yes you know it's in the i won't say the smithsonian but it's like it's it's archived as like a historically relevant kind of you it's yeah which of course it is it's definitely historically like it's definitely important like in like cinematography and things like that but for for me i was like what i left you'll find it on every top 10 yeah yeah You'll find it on yeah. every top and ten so, list. You know what I mean? Me, home door. Oh right, which so I, I guess I don't. We'll go into that, but I want to sorry get this thought out. Sorry, uh, yeah. Sorry. About the 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 psychological aspect of it, like with Martin Sheen and the character going getting going up this river, right? And he's supposed to be, um, he's supposed to be sent to like essentially kill this you know Kurtz who's gone off the rails and crazy and is doing these from the in their eyes. Um, very like bad things. I, I would, I can't think of the word right now, but yeah, you know, but by the time Willard gets there, Martin Sheen, he sits there and goes, do I want, like, is what he's doing bad? Like, because we're, we can't, it's, it's the judging somebody for killing people in an inhumane way. When you're a fucking soldier in the Vietnam war, just napalming people and letting them people burn. You know what I mean? Like, Who's to separate a soldier killing somebody inhumanely versus a man who is essentially this godlike figure to this tribe who's been doing it in the name of something? Well, you know what I mean? Like that, then I thought I really appreciated that kind yeah. of conflict inside Martin Sheen. And then he finally realizes, <laughs> no, I have to take him out, which was great, you know, but it was very interesting because, you know, even. Kurtz, uh, Marlon Brando is like writing a book or he like, he's doing something or like, I don't know what the manuscript was on the desk, you know, but at the end, but he was definitely recording his journal or whatever, kind of knowing that he's kind of gone off track. Oh, well, yeah, no. Cause he even says before, um, there's a moment where he's talking the first time that they meet and he's talking to him and he says to Martin's character, if I were to, you know, and he's talking about his son, he's like, if I were to die, I would want somebody to tell my son everything. Uh, everything that yeah. I've done, and then he like looks over at his like the manuscript and shit oh, on the yeah. on the table. So he like told okay. Martin Sheen to yeah no, and that's but he but that's what I think that's what I took more out of the movie was this kind of a soldier's journey through like just the that spiral of you go over there for an intention, you have this mission, whatever, and then you just from spending the weeks oh like overseas into this like in this environment, you know, you start to wonder like why the fuck are we even doing this which goes back to our earlier point with like the vietnam war with these young soldiers going over there and when you take seven months to film a movie like even the actors were just kind of like going fucking nuts you know what i mean like well it's it's also like you know you just kind of touched on this at any point during this movie 
did the Vietnam people, did the, you know, Charlie's or the Vietnam army, did they seem like the bad guys at any point in this movie? No, but no. we also didn't get like their perspective, which I think is like very intentional. No, but that's, that's the point yeah. that I'm making. Yeah. It wasn't like, like, like we did kind of alluded to before this movie and Josh, like you're saying is not like America war. Yeah. It's like, no, here's a character who's in this war who is having very divisive thoughts in both directions and is lost and confused and is set on this mission. Like it's a, it's a personal story so much more so than it's, you know, the, the Viet Cong are there and they're shooting at them and stuff, but we have no fixation on them throughout this story. Right. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that was, was very interesting. definitely intention by behind it. Yeah. Which know. is, I think a great metaphor for like the war itself where America was there focusing on its own yeah. shit and ignoring the fact they were invading a fucking sovereign nation and ruining a country's populace. Yeah. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, it's fucking nuts. I mean, yeah, it's like the reason I think that so much media is made about the Vietnam war. I mean, like, is because they're so like, what do you do? Like when you're kind of like told you're just like being told that you like, you're doing something for the right reasons. And then you live in it and you realize that there is no right reason. And it's just like a crazy senseless thing. So yeah, you do drugs and you have fun and you try to like make yourself not go crazy, even though you're going crazy. (laughs) Like I totally get it. Well, but then I, I mean, you have this character in Martin Sheen where it starts off where he's already done, you know, he's supposed to, he's gone home and he's come back because you're now indoctrinated into a war and that type of life. And obviously I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. I've never been in the army, but I'm just, you know, spitballing on what I seem to understand about this stuff. And, uh, you know, he's stuck there, but it's not even a real war to fight. So even that is based on this kind of false sense of stuff, and he has no idea what well, the fuck remind to do. You, and you know, and that's where we start with this character. Vietnam was the first televised war. You know, mm-hmm. that was it was the first war well, that, that people was, could actually see at home, like what the realize, hell is going on. Oh, this on. is what war is. Oh, it's which not is good. funny because even even <laughs> well, Coppola added my, that into the movie because when they first go to the beach, yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. Going, don't look at the camera. Just just run by. And yeah. they're like, what the fuck? What is going on? Yeah. yeah, what are you talking about? And I definitely didn't catch that as a kid. And when I saw that this time, I was like, oh, that is so yeah. fucking interesting. Yeah, I love that, Josh. I'm so glad you brought that up. Where it's like, yeah. And like Martin Sheen's like, the fuck? Like looking at the camera and they're like, no, keep walking, keep walking. <laughs> like, look, like, like look, look like you're fighting. Look like you're fighting. And he's like, I, I, I. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Cause they had a. Well, I am fighting. They're blowing up the beach. Well, then didn't it remind you of like that scene in Captain America where they're like doing the propaganda for them? But then you're like, wait, what? Like, uh, like where he's like, on like walking on a treadmill, yeah, like it's all fake yeah, propaganda. Sure, sure. But that that feeling though, Brandon, that you just mentioned about being at war, being done, and then have, like just not really feel finding a place goes back to even to the sentiment of you know Shawshank Redemption. You know, with like you're so used to this type of thing, yeah. and you you see a lot of that with career military like generals and captains, you whatever. They're well, in it for I like mean, 10, in, in 15 years, 20 years, and they come home and they're very orderly. And, yeah. you know, you get, I mean, I can easily go down this whole road of like soldiers coming home from war. And then because they all they know is military, you know, then you get the abuse and things. And they don't know how to live a domestic life yeah. because they've just been in a war. Well, we know? also just know way more about like PTSD right. and stuff now, too, which is helpful. You know, like we under, we understand it much better. But having so. to cope with that. And we know like what kind of acid does. So like <laughs> it makes more sense that people, when you drop a bunch of it in a jungle with napalm explosions every day, you might lose your mind a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah. Or like even that scene with the bridge, you know, that like that checkpoint, you know, and dude, that guy, uh, 
the the um I don't remember what the character's name was. You're talking about like at nighttime, like when the bridge gets blown up and they they they're shooting at the at the at the um at the Vietnamese and then like they're like get the guy get the and he just like gets up one shot done and then like he's just like you could tell he's just so like disconnected he from reality like he's just so like yeah just it's just like he it's hell and and he's living in it and like well it's fucking so good well there was uh, can i ask you guys did you guys have any of the scene where they went to the plantation so that's the whole that entire yeah, scene's cut yeah. huh so okay so uh for the audience and, and for you guys i guess so in the extended cut and that's that that'll probably make up for the majority of the time difference because it's like a, it's a it's like a half an hour scene I mean, there's a full sex scene in it with oh, some girl. Oh wow! That, like with Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. Yeah, Martin Sheen yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so so they're he wops. It's well okay. So it's like uh, mid second act or like almost end of second act. I'd say maybe beginning of third act, and like so they're deep deep into the you know they're almost in. Have in any of them Cambodia died yet? Already? Did Lawrence Fishburne be? die yet? Uh, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne's already dead okay. at this point. I'm pretty sure. And on the. Boat the no, the boat chief is still okay. alive. Maybe, maybe it's just before the boat great. chief dies. Anyways, they like roll up on this kind of village, and there's like you know a whole kind of army, and they don't know what's going on. And then one of them starts yelling in French, and the cook starts yelling back in French. He's like, "We're Americans," blah blah blah. So they bring them up, and it's this French family who has owned this plantation for like seventy years or whatever, and they're staying, and they have like an a, you know their own art. Kind Remind of army you of any other them. movie we watched recently? And it's this. <laughs> Yeah, well, very much so. And it's very interesting because it's this the entire conversation is at a dinner table. Um and it's like a bunch of them and Martin Sheen. And um the conversation is them as Frenchmen being like, No, this is our home, this is where we're staying. Uh, you know, we lost in World War Two and just like a bunch of shit like that and them trying to be like how come you guys as americans like haven't learned from us the french you know you have all this power and like you're here in this stupid fucking war and it's a really powerful yeah. scene so it's interesting that it was uh that that's the one that was cut because it does it frames what's happening there with the rest mm -hmm. of the world well i know um and then sorry uh and then he and then there's a girl and then they have sex and then he moves on <laughs> And to yeah. keep going think, down the river, <laughs> which also, wet, but, but it, sorry, I just want to. It just it gives Mark. It gives. Oh, sorry. Not only that, before they have sex, they do. Um. 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 Jesus Christ. Uh. Fucking old school like marijuana. Uh. What come on, how are you out here, about? guys? No, come on. I don't know what they're you're talking fucking, about. <laughs> uh, you just you just made this hand like, motion really on old the screen. School. I don't know what that is. Like a bowl. I want to say heroin, but it's not heroin like um, like medical grade heroin. What am I talking Opium? about? Um, yeah, sort of. But Meth? again, keep going. Like if you were at a no, like like opium, but if you were at a doctor's office, like what they would, or like if you were having surgery, morphine? what they would give you. Um, morphine. Thank you. Wow. Fuck. Finally, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so there's a whole scene where they're That's doing morphine. Awesome, dude. Morphine's great. Um, and then and then have sex. And but it. What my point is is that it's very. Uh, it's a kind of a grounding scene for Martin Sheen a little bit. Or for well, in the documentary, they, so they talk about like the filming of moment. that scene and how they spent God knows how many like days on it because they flew in. You know, he wanted actual French actors, but he couldn't afford to come, yeah. you know, find them from France. So, like, find if, if there are anybody on this side of the world, you know, in Hong Kong or wherever, 
you know, get me get them here. If not, then of course I'll fly him from France. But the work that he put into that scene, it didn't end up working for him or didn't come out exactly like he wanted it. So he cut it, which is so interesting as a potential future filmmaker. I would say, sorry, a future filmmaker Mm -hmm. like myself of putting what I appreciated about the documentary was was the inside look of the appreciation of the time and the effort to take that you take to get all of these different shots and trying to figure out your vision of this mo- of this movie that this project that you want to create and all that time and investment like for me it's like you want to make it work so that you can use it because you spent the time and you want people to see it but it's then going back to the editing room and cutting yeah. it and having to cut out a half hour you know a half hour scene and it's 100%. like 100% those decisions I, I have yet to deal with, but I can't imagine, you know. Well, and, and to be fair, watching it this morning, and that's how I kind of knew that it was this scene that got cut, because at three hours and 15 minutes fully with no credit sequence, it's that's too much. And while this scene is good and opens things up, if I wasn't watching it for the podcast and like watching it analytically, I would have fast forwarded through mm. it. I would have. It does. It, it is. It slows it down. Like, I understand yeah. why he took it totally. out, you know, like for us, for this to sit down and watch it analytically, it adds to the overarching story. But to sit in a theater, it's an extra half an hour, 45 minutes that I don't know that yeah, you need. Fair. So I, I think it was the right totally. choice. But then I guess what's interesting is like, who puts that back in? Like, who the hell is that? The the uh, production? No, house? Or like, dude. Who, uh, who's Coppola like, oh, yeah, had, by the way, Coppola had full copy. Cut, and so there was the Cannes yeah. premiere. That would eventually become the theatrical cut. And then he added a bunch of shit back in for the director's cut, which I think what you watched, Brandon. Awesome. Um, and okay, then, that makes sense. And, and then it makes sense, Josh, why he would add this back in for the director's he cut. Scaled, he scaled back again and cut a bunch of shit out for the final <laughs> cut. But it was still longer than the theatrical cut. And I think that's what we watched, Josh, the final cut. That's like the version of the film that I think. So confusing. Yeah, it's all fucking bullshit. And like, but um, yeah. it is interesting. It's more confusing than the end of Evangelion. Well, let's not go crazy. So we haven't talked about this yet, and we brought it up. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. 14 oh, years man. old, filming in the Philippines. What a life. And how, how he could Morpheus. lie about his age. And, like, get him over there. And I'm sure Coppola, like, at some point figured it out and was like, well, fuck, we cast him. He's here. So we're going to put him through all this. But it's just it's just interesting because I I didn't recognize him until until the end of the movie. And then I was like, well, there's no credit. So I watched the documentary and they were doing the interviews in 91. And I was like, holy shit, Morpheus. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Well, and yeah, hold on, Josh. I, you, I wouldn't feel bad about not recognizing like you're used to seeing him as yeah. Morpheus. Like that's the first time you were probably introduced yeah. to him as a kid. He's a 14 year old in this movie. Like, yeah, you he's like recognize thinner, him. and he's got all the hair and he's like, you know what I mean? And, um, and then, yeah, when they, when it's, they cut uh, in the documentary to the 91 footage and it's like, Oh, that's Lawrence Fishburne. Like, yeah. that's why <laughs> I, his death was probably the one that affected me the so most though in the movie. Good. I would have to say. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. 100%. That's the death that, like, when I'm, when I haven't watched a movie in a while, that's the only one that, like, I can remember. Well, and that's it's because they also paired it with the tape from his mother saying, you better come home quick, you know, stay away from the bullets. And that's overlaid Yo, with him that, being shot and killed. And I was like, that was the best voiceover. Uh, you know, 
That was the best use of voiceover. Thought that was and fantastic. I thought Pablo did a really well, you brought that up. Really nice, interesting way in terms of his transitions with those scenes. There's a lot of layering in this movie. I don't know if you guys noticed. Like there would be like especially the beginning with him. There's half the screen or a third of the screen is him laying down. Then you have the sound of the helicopter. Then you have the the fan going, and it's all you can see kind of everything at the same time. You know what I mean? And so I thought with that, and then the yeah. transitions. I felt were very, very well done. It definitely got me thinking of, you know, putting scenes together and like how long of a transition or a fade out should I do this scene and should I overlay it with somebody else? You know, it's just the craft of it. Like we've been saying the whole, yeah. this whole time is yeah, was spot on, you know, took a fucking years to edit. Like I mean, it took so long to put this movie together. <laughs> I mean, I get it, you know, I mean, I, it's a good movie. Pretty good. It's a good movie. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited for Apocalypse now, too. Apocalypse later. I knew you were gonna say it! That was nice. so loud, Brandon. <laughs> the best. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, I got okay. excited. Yeah, it, it was a... <laughs> it's a good movie that I don't know when I will watch again, because it's... Right, exactly. Ex- totally. I'm glad that, totally. Uh, it's, a, it's an undertaking... It's an undertaking to watch just in that it is a, it's an experience, you know, it, it hits you. Yeah. I definitely recommend for those that haven't seen it to, to go back and watch it. Cause like a lot of the movies that we've been hitting on this podcast and I'm thankful for is a lot of the, the top movies out there in terms of filmmaking and craft. Um, if you love movie making, if you love the arts or whatever and films, watch these movies, you know, even if it's just once. Um, and if you guys can like watch yeah, yeah, documentary to, with this movie, cause especially you know, like like we we say before, you shouldn't have to watch something else to like get the full thing. Like I think the movie at itself is a full great experience as a movie, but the documentary definitely just enhances mm-hmm. that kind of wow. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it's just a yeah, it's just a phenomenal documentary mm-hmm. on its oh, own. Yeah. You know, um, shall we? It's so good. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Who wants to? Josh, want to go first or last? Oh, I, I mean, it'd be, it. we do it differently for every week. I mean, I can pick. go first. Thinking about it, I would. I'll probably give it a. I'll give it a four and a half. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it a four and a half as well. A, a strong four and a half. I. Everything that even I, I think everything I've heard negative about this movie is all things that I'm a sucker <laughs> for anyway. So four and a half over here. I loved it. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. I I I gave it like a four after I watched it. And I'll probably stick with a four, um, which is not, you know, just like Raging Bull and the Godfather. It's not, they're not bad at all. I just (laughs) like, I don't know, man. Like I'm never, I'm not the kind of guy. I was never the kind of kid that was like, like war movies, like, ah, Saving Private Ryan. Like, ah, like I'm not. I mean, that's that's a whole conversation. I'd love to do Saving Private Ryan sometimes. But it's very, (laughs) it's like, it's like, it's probably the, the best movie I've ever seen that I don't love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That makes any 100%. sense. percent. Um, I could. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. Thank actually. you, Josh, for for finally letting me check it off my list. Yeah. I mean, that's my. That's why I'm here. <laughs> that's all I'm here Caleb for. Caleb and I collaborate, and I just have to somehow <laughs> get the movies that he doesn't want. Oh, and sorry, real quick, going back into the filming, some of those shots with Marlon Brando in the shadows, the use of shadows and the use of light. Yeah. Sorry, I know yeah. we're in the last segment of the pod. The episode, no, but, but it's, it's worth pointing out. Like they did it really well. No, no, and and like 
the reasoning behind too, like hilarious because you have to do it to yeah, cover I mean, up yeah, how you big he the was illusion, for the movie. But like having him kind of like with the, when he's rubbing his head, you know, and then the look on his face. But then, you know, even with the the use of lights during all the nighttime scenes and the trenches and things like that, I just thought was well done. A lot of the practical stuff. So. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Finding light in those dark scenes was really, really well. well and done. then you have like. We talk about The Godfather in terms of a movie making, in terms of a lot of the long shots, more acting. Like this was a very technically based mm-hmm. movie, very high in scale, like almost, you know, a huge blockbuster, <laughs> you know, explosions, guns, action. Yeah. And Coppola all did it in within 10 years, you know. So good for you, man. Brandon, what do we have? You're up. I'm up. All right, guys. I uh, now can I start a new run here? I, of sure. Movies? Um I don't, like, yeah, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be like changing it up at the next cycle yeah, anyway, gonna, so it, it it might be a little fucked up in terms of like. I'm not worried about it. Okay, well, I know what I want to watch. Uh, let me know if either of you have seen it. It's a little western uh, called oh Tombstone, <laughs> and it's awesome. I have not seen Tombstone. No, uh, Josh, I think <laughs> you're really gonna like it. Caleb, have you seen it? You know what? To be fair, uh, Val Kilmer. Uh, fucking, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? The guy who plays uh, uh, the dad in Guardians of the Galaxy. Kurt Russell. Know his name right now. Fuck. Um, he is not. Kurt Russell. Thank just you. The Guardian. Uh, He's Kurt Russell, motherfucker. That's not <laughs> what I know. That's not all what right. happened there. Okay, I know that. No, that's. Kurt I Russell. mean, like, all right. Listen. To be fair, <laughs> Tombstone is LA. like that's like a movie that like dads. It's a dad movie to me. Like my oh, dad was sure. like, Tombstone's great. Like you got to watch when it's on TNT. Like, you know what I mean? On cable. Yeah, it's like, it's okay. yeah exactly. All right. It's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a great I'll, uh, movie, I'll, man. Yeah. We'll watch Tombstone. And he, she shoots like this. Cause that's the cool way where he's like, all right. Pew, 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 so we know pew, pew, pew. that uh, Brandon really loves it. No, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. I was, right. I was, yeah. All right. Cool. Tombstone. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen it, but I'm looking at pictures and I'm like, okay. no, it's like a very, it's one of the most famous Westerns for sure. I thought Blazing Saddles was. Yeah, it's like uh, early '90s. I want to say. Yeah, '93. It was made. Yeah, like like Tombstone yeah, and yeah. Uh, Tombstone and Unforgiven both came out around the same time, and it was kind of like the westerns are done. We finished. Like, <laughs> right, and, and there was like a little western resurgence there with like a bunch of famous actors, and then they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna move three ten to Yuma." Yeah, '93, and it's free <laughs> in America to watch on IMDb with ads. And then in Canada, Boom. I don't know, but it sounds like you have it probably. Well, already. watch on IMDb with ads. I I, I do. Cool. <laughs> uh, that's cool that IMDb does that, but awesome. Sweet. Pumped. All right. I Next time it's Tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Uh, Josh, you want to take us away? Yeah. Hey, guys. Like always, thanks thanks for t- checking in um, to Three of Affairs podcast. You can find us wherever you get podcasts. What? On the three major ones, Google, Spotify, Apple. Um, find us on YouTube, like and subscribe and share. We have, you know, all of us are on our Instagrams and different social media. I'm on Instagram at stir, S-T-E-R, underscore Joshua, and on Facebook, Joshua Stir. Um, I'm always doing stuff or creating, so working through this. Brandon? Uh, yeah, you can uh, find me at Brandon Comic Fierce on Instagram or look me up on YouTube. And uh, yep, yeah, I got nothing else coming up to promote. Just auditioning and shit. Caleb? Uh, <laughs> I'm on Letterboxd at C-J-C-A-S-D-S. You guys should get on Letterboxd. It's a really great social media service that's like 
for cinephiles. Um, it's really, it's like awesome discussions. Um, I really enjoy it. I write really like lengthy reviews a lot of the time when I need to be doing other things. And if you're listening to this before September 17th, stay tuned for the digital Shakespeare company's production of Macbeth. It's shaping up to be really fucking awesome. I'm really proud of it so far. We have a great cast, a cool concept, and I think it's going to be something special. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Wicked. That's all. See you guys next week on Three Affairs Podcast. <laughs>